Hello and welcome back to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop culture minutia. I'm Jeremy, here with Benji and Sam. Hey guys! Hey! hey. Guy! We're back! Uh, we're back. And today we're going to be talking about season four of Game of Thrones, all ten episodes, and there will of course be spoilers for all the episodes, plus all of the published material by our old friend, Mr. R.R. Martin, and that means, you know, whatever has already been out there. Now, I actually haven't read any of the short stories, although I have a decent idea of what happens in some of them. Have you guys read the Duncan Egg stuff? Uh, I read the three Duncan Egg stories. I, I heard that there's, like, two more stories that are not actually Dunk stories. They're not, like, Duncan Egg stories. They're something else that he published. Um, I guess it's just, like, you know, the history of Westeros kind of thing. Right. Um, but I guess so. I haven't read like... those, but I did. I did read the three so far that are out that are about Dunk and Egg. Right. Well, if you I feel like there's not. a strong connection or you know Easter egg or anything, you can bring that up. But otherwise, I don't think it's going to be that important. Okay. So what we're going to do to start out is just talk about what we think is best in terms of how things were adapted or changed or translated, you know, and whether or not we think it's a good thing or a bad thing. And we have a couple things to talk about, so I feel like we should just get started. All right. All right. So the first big change was that Jamie and Brienne show up in King's Landing way earlier than they do in the books, because in the books, basically, it happens right as Tyrion has sort of been thrown into jail after the right. end of the trial and also the trial by combat. So he's sort of like, oh, well, that's it for me. It's sort of like that guy, um, Jubal Early, in the Firefly episode, Object in Space, where he's like, well, here I am. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, but then suddenly Jamie shows up and he's like, the, the what? Was it <laughs> after the trial by combat? Yeah. Interesting. I don't remember that. Well, that does change things pretty significantly because the whole thing is that in the show – they have Jamie, you know, trying to give counsel to Tyrion and trying to get him, you know, he's he's involved with the trial. Jamie's involved with the trial and trying to get him to, right. to do but stuff. In fairness, it still makes sense that he wouldn't be able to fight the mountain either. But right. he might have actually I feel like it's debatable whether or not he would have fought him anyway. What do you mean debatable like Like he might have just done it anyway. Even though he would have lost. Yeah. Maybe. Why do you say that? No, just thinking about, like, if Tyrion asked him and Jamie said, I would lose for sure because I don't have my strength. So, and, he, and then if Tyrion says, there's no one else I can ask, do you think that Jamie would yeah. do it? Um, you I mean instead a... of instead of letting Tyrion fight himself? Yeah. He might. Maybe. He might have. Yeah. He might have gone in, yeah, instead of, instead of like, Tyrion fighting for himself. Because also, like, there's the political angle where, like, you know, is Tywin really going to allow Jaime to get killed, you know, yeah. at Tyrion's trial where Tyrion is also getting killed, meaning he has, like, no heirs left? You know, yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like Tywin wouldn't, wouldn't let it go on. Yeah. And, but, but the thing is, I mean, maybe I have to reread the books again, but I, I felt like, I feel like in the books, the relationship between Jaime and Tyrion, like they, they did have a close relationship, but they were still, I mean, they were far apart for a lot of it. And it's kind of like, 
they don't they still aren't as like expressive to each other as they are in the show. You know what I mean? So like it's kind of weird. It's not really clear what their relationship is like. It's clear that Jamie's the one who cares about Tyrion the most out of any of them. You know, and would, right. would defend. I, I don't know. I mean, they're not very. George R. R. Martin's not very explicit. I think about their relationship. Well, they clearly care about each other. Yeah, right? no, 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 clearly do. But it's but interesting. I, Another change that you didn't mention is that at the end, at the end of the show, when when Jamie rescues Tyrion and like frees him yep. from the cell in the yep. book, um, Tyrion lets Jamie believe that he actually did murder Joffrey because he's pissed off at him. And, like, they end up being angry at each other. And in the show, they did it, like, totally differently. Yep, Where, yep. you know, they just left that part out, and they're, like, cool with each other, I guess. You know, and do you like, remember? It's just, well, that's um, certainly a big change. It's, it's, you, a, a, it's, it's, a, it's a huge change. change. Well, I mean, I mean the, the whole thing with Tyrion, except for the fact that he killed, you know, that he killed Shay and Tywin, that whole thing was done very differently in terms of how Tyrion was as a person. Because remember, the whole thing is that, first of all, the whole Tisha thing... Um, it was only mentioned in the first season. They barely talk about it all in the show. That's and, true. But in the books, that's like a big thing behind it. And that's kind of sort of informs his relationship with Shay. Makes it more interesting because he had this love affair with this with this whore or whatever. But um, but anyway, the, the whole thing is remember at the end of, of Storm of Swords, what uh, what Jamie says is he's like, just so you know, we told you that Tisha was a whore, but she actually wasn't. She actually right. was just, just a girl, and it was so. So that's what gets Tyrion really pissed off. Right. Well, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's funny because my take on that is that Tyrion's kind of like, don't be a dick, really. Jamie's like, he's doing this because he he feels like he wants to be clear, you know, honest with you, and mm-hmm. not he's not doing it to hurt you. But Tyrion's like, well, whatever. Everybody hates me. Shut up. And yeah, then he, yeah. Like, he spiral, and that's what leads him to kill his father. He's like, oh, which of course, at least that I can sort of understand because like, oh, he's been doing it, but. Then he's like, "Well, now everybody hates me. There's nobody for me." And remember when and he also shoots... he remember what he does, which does not happen in the show. And I have no idea if they're going to do this, but I don't see how they could if he's not there. Where he because they didn't even do this. Where he says, "Yeah, you know, Cersei's been going behind your back with Lancel and the Kettleblacks, which they haven't introduced." Oh yeah. And oh they, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And Moonboy, for all I know, which is another character that uh, like that a fool that they doesn't never exist. Introduced. Right. Yeah. On so. The show. Uh, it wouldn't. It's not like Moonboy is someone I desperately miss or anything. <laughs> right. Where the hell is Moonboy? Actually, I care more about Patchface because he's like very creepy than Moonboy, who is I don't remember a single thing other than that one line <laughs> that that, <laughs> that he says. That's all I remember about Moonboy. Uh, the Kettleblacks do become important. Yeah. So I have to assume that they're going to bring them in. But or maybe just one Kettleblack. Yeah. But... Well, that's true. The truth is, the other guy always felt kind of superfluous. Anyway. They were. The three of them are pretty much indistinguishable from each right. other. That was, I think that was kind of the point too. Yeah, well, there was. It's just that Cersei was just. Nazi. It's just that it's just that it's just that Cersei was fucking all of them. That was the whole point. <laughs> she loved the kettle blacks. <laughs> well, right. So obviously, yeah. we, already, we saw in the show her with Lancel, but we never really saw any follow up to that. For the most part, there was a little bit of it with Jamie and Lancel, who he gave him like a. I have an idea what you've been doing, cuz, cuz. Uh, right, right, uh, right. How, what do they say? How do they call each other? They do say "cuz," right, in the book. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and "nuncle." Nuncle. Do they? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. right. Hold, hold on a second. I gotta. I gotta take a minute. Sorry. Give me a sec. Yeah. So, 
I guess the real question that we would ask is, so do we really think that it was a good choice? I mean, part of it to me was, well, we got to bring Jamie in because we need to have more of him there as opposed to more of him walking with Brienne, which is essentially what they would have had to have done. And it seemed like they already got quite a lot out of that. Yeah. So from that perspective, you know. Sorry. I, 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 I think I think it's fine. I mean, the the thing is, I mean, we have to be realistic about the show and how you can't. There's certain things you can't get in depth about, like they they didn't bring up the Tisha stuff. They didn't bring up a lot of stuff going on with Tyrion. And we've also discussed before on the podcast about how how um, Tyrion is is painted as really just a good guy in the show. In in the and in the books, maybe he's one of the better guys, but he's he's got some faults. So anyway, my, my point is that. That I understand it might have just been too complicated to try to bring in the stuff with Tisha, him coming in then, and 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 the timing. I think I think it kind of needed to be done for the show, and they wanted to really show the the relationship between Jamie and Tyrion. You so know what I mean? You don't think they should have done the t- uh, the Tisha thing at all? Because like you said, it's no, not no, like it's they not, didn't mention it. It's uh, it's not that I don't think they should have done the Tisha thing at all. I, I'm just talking about strictly Jamie coming in at his time, and 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 that whole thing going, and them showing that bond. I think. I think for the show, I think that's fine. I think I, I think that that works. I, I don't. I think it's a little too subtle in the in the show if they did it the way they did in the, in the books. So you I think mean, that it's okay for Tyrion just to be depressed because he's leaving everything, and he lost Jay, and he killed his dad. Yeah, I mean, this speaks to another thing, which I but I don't like how they've done Shay in general. I, I think Shay is just a weak link in the in, in the show. So that's kind of an, an issue I have anyway. But with what they had in front of them, I thought that the Jamie choice was 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 fine. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I I agree with Benji. Um, I think it was fine. I think for a show, you don't want to have like too many characters like all kind of spread out everywhere. It's nice to have them all kind of in the same place. Right, because right, right. you want to see them in the same room interacting right. with each other, you know, like that's right. that it works. That's that's more more important in television. And in a book, characters can be all by themselves, and it doesn't matter because you're in their heads. But like, that's, yeah, that's always on TV. Been, you you want to see them face to face. You can't. That's just that's like a tricky thing to adapt. Anyway, how do you get inside someone's head? I mean, it's hard without doing an actual literal narration, and that always seems like spotty. Yeah. Because you oh, can have Dexter is the think. only one that does that well. <laughs> well, yeah, because you can have someone think for a very extended period of time in a book, but have very little time actually take place. And there are ways to do it. In fact, Dexter did do this, like where they would slow down time outside of his head so he could think. Right. But they never really tried that with Game of Thrones. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and they I, shouldn't. They, I, they, they shouldn't. By this point, they can't. That would be yeah, really weird. It would be Actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want any, I mean, even from the beginning, if they had done it differently, I wouldn't have wanted any, like, voiceover narration on the show. I don't think it really would have worked. Though, an interesting parallel is, it, is if they did it suddenly, if they did do a Dexter thing, suddenly in the middle of of Game of Thrones in, the, in these seasons now, that would be them pulling a Dexter and making the show worse, like Dexter did, you all mean, of a sudden. If <laughs> Dexter showed up, like the lumberjack well, that- Dexter. <laughs> Right. How would De- how would Dexter Dexter could probably be all right. He could probably hack it for a little bit. He has some skills. If you he, know what I mean. are you kidding? This he would finally be in a place where he could be himself. That's true. You That's know, true. like he wouldn't have to keep hiding who he is. Like he could just he could just be the crazy, you know, hungry, well, like about, murderous. Yeah, how John Lith- John like, Lithgow? Like, would we you, celebrate people like that. He would no. He would be a less immoral hound. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> how would John Lithgow? What would John Lithgow be? That's that's what I'm thinking. John uh, Ramsey. Uh, yeah, I guess he is Ramsey. Yep. Yeah. I All mean, right. he's All certainly right. not the mountain. Yeah. The point is, you can you can get away with that in Westeros. Like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it reminds me of um, Sin City, actually, right? When somebody's talking about Marv and he says Marv was born in the wrong century, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like if he had been in like the Middle Ages, he would have been like a hero, you know. Well, like it's the, the same kind is, of thing with Dexter. Yeah. Well, the thing is that you can't kill noble people, like while they're not actually in in an actual battlefield. That's where that's that's the line. Other than that, it's like, well, whatever. And people do it anyway. <laughs> well, it's just that you, that, you might, that you actually might not get away with. That's the thing. All right, so I think we, we it sounds like we agree that the Jamie choice was fine. The Shay mm-hmm. choice was iffy. Well, Shay in general. We've talked about Shay already in, in earlier seasons about, you know, like, the difference where Shay in the book, is only presented from Tyrion's perspective, and Tyrion doesn't quite know if she's really being genuine at any given moment, or if she's just faking it because she's actually, like, you know, because she's a whore. Um, like, and and on the show, they kind of make it very explicit that she does actually love Tyrion, and she doesn't, you know, she wants to, like, run away with him, and she's, like, romantic, and, you know, so it sort of, it takes a lot of the mystery away from her character, um, which I think, you know, I'm, I'm not so happy with that, but... Okay. Yeah. But they kept, they did keep some of the mystery in, like, what did happen after she tried to leave King's Landing. Right, You know, right. we, we can kind of infer that what probably happened was that Bronn was paid off before he said mm-hmm. to Tyrion, yeah, I took her to the boat. Yeah. Well, we don't know what happened. It might not even have been Bronn. It might have been after she was already on the boat. I mean, who knows? All right, so right? let's get to the next point, which is yeah. the Grey Worm Missandei Love story. Ah. Poop. Let's, let's, all, hates it. let's all agree that it's awful and move on. <laughs> it, it really, I don't know that I necessarily agree I that it's awful. Yeah, I don't think it's awful. Oh, okay. I, I mean, thought it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's just that, you know, all right, all, right, right. Masande is, is much younger in the books. Don't forget that that's a big change. Right, she's only like 12 or something in the books. I think she's even younger than that. I think she's she, like 11. Maybe, something like that if not a little bit younger, but even so, the point is, you know, now she's basically just, you know, a young woman and not just a, not even pubescent girl in the books. It's a different kind of thing. But in some ways, it's kind of nice to have some more characters in the Daenerys storyline, especially because some things have been cut out, which brings me to my next point. There's no strong Bellwas. Yeah. And we all know that The Rock would have been the best strong Bellwoss. <laughs> he would have. Or at least Rikishi. At least Rikishi. <laughs> no, no, he, do, he would not. No. Rikishi would not be good. Come on. He's too small. <laughs> no, He's but... too lean and, and, and thin. <laughs> well, I mean, The Rock is, like, in shape. But still, I guess he does such a great character. And I feel like you know, show watchers would definitely get a kick out of that guy. Obviously, he couldn't have exactly the same introduction because there was the whole thing where Arston was his squire. <laughs> but who cares? There are plenty of ways that you could have brought that character in. I mean, Dario just yeah. sort of showed up essentially. So you yeah, have... I think I think Strong Bellwas would have been a strong choice. <laughs> I think 
I think we have to assume we're just not getting strong Zalas at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. The yeah. part is he is not going to be part of the show. So who is going to be? Who are going to be the characters in the Daenerys area? I mean, there is still Hisdar, which we did get a little bit of. So you have to assume we'll get more of him. Right. Next season. Right. I I hope to see more expansion of Barristan because. Yeah. He's a cool character. It's they they look like they're, they're trying, but I, I hope they're able to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it does seem like they're making somewhat of an effort, but, you know, whether right. that will succeed is going to be a, a different story. Yeah, you know I mean? and, I mean, Grey Worm is, like, I feel like that's one of the reasons that they've expanded that so that they can, because they knew they were going to have to get rid of Jorah, so they needed to have a little bit more depth to Grey Worm other than nothing. Mm-hmm. which is essentially what he is in the books. He is not really yeah. much at all. And I, I also think that they're possibly responding to some of the criticisms of the show, like not having almost any characters of color. Um, mm. So they said, well, you know, we have Grey Worm. You know, he's yeah. he could be an interesting character if we right. actually like... Wait a minute. To... What if we had the, the guy of color and the woman of color hook up? It's the perfect <laughs> solution. Oh, my God. Okay, so that speaks to the... To the general, I think there's this overall general, I think, issue with Game of Thrones, and you guys may not agree with me on this. There is a little bit of, uh, I think there's a lot sometimes of this pandering to, like, very, like, like, I guess you could say, like, progressive things, which I am not against in general, but it looks like they're pandering to, you know what I mean? They try to to throw in... What do you mean? So, 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 for instance, like... The way they changed around the this is another adaptation. The way they changed around the Daenerys uh, scene with Dario, I mean, they made they made Dario a little bit. They made it more like you know Daenerys is totally like she she's totally just like telling him what to do, and it's not like he's winning her over. Now, once again, I don't think there's any issue with her doing that, where she's saying like that, that she's in control or doing anything like that. That's not a problem. But the thing is, with like it looks like they changed it from the way it happened in the books. Just so they could, you know, pander to to some sort of like um to to make the show like seem more progressive than anything like that. The same way that they pushed, you know, they had like Joffrey signing evil, you know, when he's talking about how he's going to outlaw how he's going to outlaw like homosexuality or something like that. Like yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Joffrey, I, like you know, I'm sure he he probably would have been a piece of shit about it. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's like they had to they had but it's like it's like they had to throw it in just well, so they could say, hey, you know, we're doing this. The so same well, thing they're trying to. Have, you know, I can give like, you another and, and example, I th- yeah. which is when Olena is talking to Tywin and she's, he's try- she's trying to like, yeah. like, hey, you know, yeah, every, all, all guys experiment, right? Right, yeah. Tywin? You did too, didn't you? And it's like, uh, okay. It's like they have to, th- they have to throw in these, these, these like, these like, hey, look at, look at how progressive you are, but it's not serving the, the story necessarily. Right. Because well, there are, there are things. out of place to me particularly yeah, in that yeah. scene. And Which, listen, there, in general, was pretty good. Like, I, I, think, I really like that particular scene. It's just that, it's like, yeah. well, why are you guys? All right, well, that was like that seemed very juvenile. Yeah, and I think I, I think I think one of the beauties of of, of Song of Ice and Fire and, and George R. R. Martin stuff is that he he really portrays a lot of different characters from all different walks of life in his in his works. I mean, heard him talk about it when people brought up the fact that he's had like gay characters and things like that. And he tries to give like a good like like realistic portrayal of how things would go and, and, and get inside people's people's heads and people's characters and all that. And I think that's really good and he gives a sort of more honest portrayal. But in the show they kind of just throw these things in. Not all the time, but it, but it's just like it's like at it's like it feels to me out of place. Maybe just because I know the I know the books. But same thing too, they really overemphasized 
um, Oberyn's like bisexuality. It was it was clear in the books that he was, but they didn't need to have extended extended scenes of just of how much he likes to fuck. I mean that's that that's great. It's clearly a part of part of like his character, but I I felt like excessive and it wasn't pushing the story along. It just felt like they just had to show it. So that's my point. Okay. I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily think of that as pandering. I do agree that um they changed like the whole the whole Dario and and Daenerys relationship. Yeah. Um yes, they did change it because in the books it's more like he's like seducing her and then she basically just like gives in to him, mm-hmm. you know, because she's like young and innocent or whatever. Yeah, right? whatever. I mean like <laughs> yeah. basically. Um and they probably decided on this show that they didn't really like how that played out um, mm-hmm. because it's it's somewhat regressive. So they decided right. to make her like a little bit more assertive in the relationship, um, and that's fine. Like it's just it's an artistic decision. Um, I don't I don't think it's pandering. I think they're they're just uh, I think that that was actually something they weren't happy with in the book and wanted to change. And there's there's been plenty hey. of changes that they've made. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I, I feel like. Your complaints about Oberyn are, are somewhat unfounded. Like, Which, wait, what you mean, like the gay stuff? The, yeah, the the way that he's portrayed in the show, like it's in the book, he's also like very sexualized and very bisexual. Yeah, that's and like that's not it's not it's not, not, not a stretch in any way that you know the that, way that they're presented. No, I do think I do think that in some ways they're again reacting to criticism of the show. Which is that, like, oh, there's so much sex on the show, and like the sex on the show is like so very, very like heterosexual um, all the time, especially in seasons two and three, yeah. um, you know. And and I think they felt like, well, you know, if we're going to be like cutting edge and we're going to have lots of sex, then like we can have like homoerotic stuff also, as well as you know, um, heteroerotic, if that's a word. Right. <laughs> heteroerotic. Well, I yeah. mean, I've often heard it called heteronormative, but right, it's not right. Heteronormative. heteronormative is heteronormative is like a general blanket term for, yeah. for like a whole thing, not just a sexual thing. I, it, more my issue is when it feels like they're trying to they're trying to push it, especially the, the sexual stuff they're trying to push. I'm not just talking about just homosexuality because I think I think having the Loris and Renly stuff was really good and informative. Actually, I think I think that was something that wasn't in the books explicitly that really helped out the show in sh- showing you know their relationship and all that. I think that was really well done. It, all, all I'm talking about is the tastefulness of not tasteless is how well they do the show and whether they're 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 doing stuff for quote unquote shock value or they're doing something. That's going to serve the show. That, that's always my my issue. Well, yeah. the funny thing is, I mean, is that they really don't have much in the way of male nudity. Literally, almost so that, ever. So that makes sense because actually, the books there's plenty of male nudity. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, not they as much as uh, South Park would have you believe. <laughs> I know that was even though I liked that episode. That was well, yes, it was a good episode, but it was also like the guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No, listen. Actually, it's a legitimate. I think. But you could say that there isn't enough. You could say that there's way more female nudity. And why is there more male nudity? That has more to do with has more to do with like uh, you know HBO. entertainment, entertainment things like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely true. But, all right, well, yeah. I think right, let, let's let's try to move on a little bit here because there's some other stuff that I think is more relevant. One of which is there's an interesting sort of through line where they're talking about stuff with Joffrey and the dagger. Now, mm-hmm. some of this stuff comes out more, but Tyrion at one point is basically thinking, 
you know, I'll bet it was Joffrey that actually tried to hire that guy to kill Bran. In the in the first season or book. Yeah, yeah. You know, back in the day. And right. when, after Joffrey dies, he started thinking right. about it. But they didn't really do anything with that. Now, right. that's not to say they can't do anything with it, because they certainly could, like, have, say, Cersei and Jamie talk about it later, and, and like, saying, or, like, you tried to kill that Stark boy back in the day, and he's like, I didn't do that. I thought you did that. Oh, no, I thought it was father. He was like, <laughs> no, come on. But he's like, well, then who did do it? I don't know, maybe it was Joffrey. And they laugh, like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> and then, I, then like, the, the camera, see, like, pans away. To me, that's just not important, though. No, like, it, well, it's, it's just... It's not. Okay, you say that. But it kind of started the war. Yes, I mean, I mean, so I think it is kind of important. It's not... No, really, it's... <laughs> It's, it's like it's important that it started the war, but like the war started regardless of like who actually tried to kill Bran, and like yeah, finding I mean, out things... finding out who the person was who tried to kill Bran isn't going to change anything about the war. Well, yes, uh... to a certain degree, because it could say who sent who. Because I mean, finding out that Littlefinger killed John Aaron, yeah, that was know, like, that like is not... is very important. Yes, yes. Yeah. actually, that's a big thing because we're trying. I think the assumption is from the reading is that. It was Littlefinger basically pushing Joffrey to do a lot of this crap. That it was him that basically told him to kill Ned Stark. You know, it was him that... that oh, got, I didn't even think about that. Because that, Cersei wasn't on board with that. She even thinks about it later, how, you know, it's like, what, whatever, what happened in that stupid situation? Like, how did it happen? And, you know, and, and, you know Littlefinger's already gone, so he can't really do anything. But I think it's pretty clear you know, that that's supposed to be how you're supposed to take it. Now... We don't really know how far back Littlefinger's plans were going. Like, he might have, depending on what Ned had done, not tried to kill him, depending on what kind of power moves he made. But the mace on the moves he did do, he just said, ah, no, screw it. You know, I'm just going to try to get rid of him. Which just sort of fits in with his, you know, plan anyway. I just don't see it as being an important plot point. Whether it was actually Littlefinger... Or if it was just Joffrey on his own who, who wanted to kill Bran. Uh-huh. Right. Well, okay, so I guess... Well, all right, so I guess we can say that there's plenty of more room to go through that kind of plot line, so it's not really a big deal. But with another King's Landing thing, there is, of course, the assault on Cersei. Yeah, from yeah. And I think we can all agree based on what we've heard from Alex Graves, the director, that it was just a failure in the way it was done. Because yeah. clearly he had a specific thought in mind of how he wanted it to do and how he wanted it to come across, which did not come across that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can already agree, well, that was just a failure. And now right. the thing is, yeah. it's funny because I think even George R. Martin said that in the books, it's not supposed to be just like cut and dry per se, but you are mm -hmm. in Jamie's head. On the other hand, it seems like she's a lot more accepting of it. In the show or in the books? In the book. But in the books, the way it happened, it was it was it was it was very it was very different because the whole thing is that Cersei they like started like doing it and then Jamie like he like couldn't do it, he like couldn't get it up no, or whatever and, yes. and, and Cersei, Cersei was upset. Like this was it was way different in the sh in, in, right. in, in this, the show. In the show she only she never verbally says anything. But there is like a little bit where you can kind of see her getting into it, 
Yeah. But that's not enough, and it wasn't as clear. I had to like rewatch it twice to see that. <laughs> it was. It, it's okay. Um, and, yeah. So I'm sure you recorded it and and watched it and watched it over again many times yeah. just to to make sure that <laughs> consent was sure. granted, and then you had to watch it again, you know, mm-hmm. just just to be safe. Well, well you, you I say mean, that, but I really did want to try to understand what no, no, the intention no, I, was. I think and it's important because this has been like a. This has was, been kind of know, a. Yeah. I didn't know what the thing is. The the D's have not really said anything, which is sort of their thing. They don't really talk about individual episodes, mm-hmm. so we might have to. They might say something when the actual, you know, Blu-ray comes out or whatever. But because right. uh, mm-hmm. they they always say they don't like to react to things in the middle of the season. Because first of all, they can't change anything in the middle of the season. It's impossible. Right. It's you know they have to do everything at once because it's too expensive otherwise. They basically right. film all this like the. Right, this to do all the King's Landing stuff, and we also do all this. They do everything like in a like in a row, in the locations, because that's how you have to do it. So they couldn't have, you know, if like unlike with some like especially like sitcoms, where you could actually like adjust as you're going, or something like even like Breaking Bad or Mad Men, where you have breaks in between seasons, you know, in the middle of the season, you can't do that for Game of right. Thrones. So they might have realized, well, there was a mistake, but we can't do anything about it now. Right. You know, and it's, it's like, well, what are you going to do? So, right. I don't know. I mean, it feels like, you know, as you saw from later, like, Cersei, I think in the final episode, she basically tries to, like, she take, she's, like, coming on to Jamie in the middle of the Kingsguard room, which you would think would be kind of sacrosanct to him. But in a sense, it's kind of like making him betray his values, too. Right. Right. Um, so, right, so well, I... Let's I think, go, but I I'd think like, just 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 one just one thing thing for that. Just want to mention quickly. Um, I mean, it was like definitely one of those things that kind of like blew up on the internet and everything like that. And um, uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. like, oh, what was what the, what the fuck was that? What was my point about this? Yeah, I think I think the main failure is that is that in the way it's done, it didn't really show kind of the complexity of what was going on and the complexity of their relationship. Because for some people just seeing it, especially because there hasn't been a lot of back and forth between Jamie and, and Cersei in the show, um, the, the whole thing is since you can't get inside their heads in the same way you could in the books, I think that to some people it just looks like it just looks to like um it, it just looks like it's a rape scene. And for some people it looks like, oh it's just uh um it's just Cersei being, you know, whatever. Some right, people are well, saying saying stupid stuff like Cersei had it coming, which is also dumb. Let me <laughs> just uh let me just bring up some things that I think are just important just to get your opinion on, and I can say what I think. Uh yeah. one of the things that I thought that I had a problem with in the season is the way that they really shortened the brand storyline and the way mm-hmm. that they really extended the John storyline. Like, you know, in the books, basically he gets back to the where they get where they are essentially at the end of season three, where he gets back to Castle Black, and then almost immediately they get attacked. And instead, we have an entire season of that. And with Bran, of course, by the point where we are now, we're already in the the most recent book. Yeah, they like jump. So here's the thing about Bran: Um, his story. Yeah, it's like longer in the book, but not a whole lot actually happens. That's that is true. So and I don't, yeah. I don't uh, one thing that I have noticed in reading, you know, commentary oh. about the show by people who have not read the books is that they think that Bran's story is slow, um, and that's, it is slow. Right? Well, and that's that's it, Bran's like accelerated story. 
Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. But, so like, <laughs> but they're right. I, I feel like probably, probably the, the yeah, but it was probably a wise decision um, by the by the showrunners to try to make that story a little bit more, you know, foreshortened. Yeah. Because yeah. like otherwise, now here's the otherwise thing. you know it would have been even even slower and more boring. Oh, here's the thing: there could go in a more interesting way. Is yeah. what if they use him to be able to look into the past? Right. And like, because the truth is, we already know he can do it. So that would be kind of cool. That's interesting. If they could do that, and that way we could get some of like the old school stuff, like the Tower of Joy. You know, I think it would be cool if they did that. I don't anticipate them doing it. I'm just saying to give him something to do. Because there are many times in the book where people have various visions, either of, like, the past or just, like, sort of metaphorical visions and dreams and stuff. And in the show, almost none of that comes through from the books. Like, almost none of it. Right, well, um, this, is, this would be a way to do it. So, so I don't... But my point is just, like, if they haven't done it to this point... I don't expect them to suddenly start doing it now. All right. Well, I, this, I don't want to get into a discussion about this. I'm just trying to get your opinion. My so, opinion is that you should have had cold hands. That's my opinion. What about John? What... All right. So, what about John Snow? Do you feel like? Do you agree with me that it was, uh, you know, padded? Yeah. I I thought it was fine. I, I I didn't. It was. I think it was one of those examples, kind of like how the Watchers on the Wall, how that episode, like like. It's like, I think it worked. I think everything they did it worked. I don't think anything was incredible with Johnson. I mean, the Johnson storyline in, in the book is, is pretty awesome and it's done really, really well and it's really exciting. In the show, it just worked. Like that episode, that was a, just an exciting, fun episode with, with some emotional element to it. It was a well done episode, Watchers on the Wall, but it wasn't, it wasn't like gripping. The, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. the same sort of emotional thing. The, but it was, a, it was a good episode. I just didn't think the Craster thing worked as well. Even though I, I know why they did it, partially, like I said, padding and also to, Trying to have a little bit more, you know, as they say, show not tell of his leadership, because they can't just be inside his head and we can see what he's thinking. Right. So they have to actually have him do stuff, and Craster is a good way to do that. That doesn't have any point, so therefore it has no meat. But that's another problem, which is that it had no actual effect. Right. That was the downside. Now, all right. So uh, there's two other things. Uh, all right, there's three. There's three other things quickly. I did like. How they've done stuff with Braun in general. I think that's a, a good adaptation. They, they've expanded him in a lot of ways. Partially because, you know, they do just such a great job with the character. You know, the actor doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that the weird thing they did with the baby of Winter. I was like, I don't know about this. If, I mean, it's like, it's sort of logical, but it's also like it came out of nowhere. It yeah. felt like they just wanted to put in like a little something extra. Uh, right. And I don't know if it's based off of actual stuff, knowledge they have, or I, if it's. I mean, I assume I assume that it's based on actual knowledge they have of like something which I'm not so happy told them. Yeah. You know, like by the way, you might you know like this is something some just whatever they know what's really going on, and they like one of the challenges for them throughout the whole series has been to like feed us like dribs and drabs of the story about the White Walkers while all this other stuff is going on. So, you know, and that's, it's almost like, that's like the real story that's like going to be important. It's going to matter. But like, there's so much other stuff going on that like, it's hard to, to keep that in mind. So like, All right. um, so guys, so, so they, they put a little in there and like, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
I, I, I don't feel so much loyalty to the books there where I can say, like, you know, anything that's in the show that wasn't in the books is inherently bad. Like, I, no, I'm not going to take that I attitude. Think, I think Benji's point is that he doesn't want to be spoiled for things yeah, that haven't been Yeah, that, that, that's my main thing. That's my main thing. But whatever. So, well, they, then uh, I suggest you don't continue to watch the show after another couple of years because yeah. the show is going <laughs> to slip ahead yeah, of the it's, books. It's and pretty, you're it's pretty be clear that's going to happen. All right, well, <sighs> so let's let's get into our big awards. Da, 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 da. And we'll start with the easy one. What is your best adaptation choice and what is your worst adaptation choice? And you can only pick one thing. Just one. So there's no real discussion here. We're just sort of like listing things. So I'll, I'll think I'll start. Uh, my favorite of the adaptation choices, and it's funny because Benji was just texting me about this, is the stuff they did with Oberyn. Because mm-hmm. I just think that you know, Pedro Pascal just killed it in that role, and he, yeah. I feel like he actually made me care more about Oberyn in the show than I really did mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah. And although I think they kind of whiffed the ending a little bit in the in the battle, I think in general I thought it was done really well. Yeah. And the thing, and of course conversely, the worst adaptation choice wasn't entirely their fault, but it was a little bit, which is the mountain. Yeah. Because when you have that battle in the book, it's like, oh man, you really, you want to see, you feel like maybe finally someone's going to take down the mountain who seemed like an unstoppable force of like monstrosity and horror. And finally you got to this point. But in the show, it's just like, he's just a big guy. You know, yeah, he kills stuff. Like, what's the difference? Like, everybody kills. There's no, there's nothing that makes him stand out. Anyway, that's what I think. All right. Benji, what Sam? do you think? Oh, what do you think? yeah. Okay. I think, I, think, I think Sam should, okay. should go out. Oh. I need a second to think. Okay. All right, All right Sam. so my favorite adaptation. This is going to be mildly controversial, um, but my favorite my favorite adaptation choice and something that's that was a little bit different from the books was when they had Arya and the Hound run into Brienne and Podrick. Ah, all right, all right. Yeah, I thought that was like unexpected, but it just worked. It made sense, you know. And like the whole point is like you know. Um, Brienne is, is searching for really she's searching for Sansa but at the same time like if she runs into Arya like hey she's looking for her too and like her and the Hound of course are going to butt heads like Arya you know like the whole it just everything like came together in a way that Brienne's story in the books is sort of aimless um, it doesn't really go anywhere and yeah, like well, she ends it's... up killing some people who aren't even in the show so like they, you knew they weren't going to do that um, you know, like Shagwell. Like <laughs> Shagwell's not even in the show. I mean, listen to his name, people. Come on. Um, okay. So, so like they found a way for Brienne's story to to go somewhere that that just like it fit. It 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 came together nicely. They also managed to have the Hound get like several serious injuries. Um, you know, which is in a way that made sense. It's um in the book. It whatever. I mean, it kind of happens like that. It's a little different. Um, right. But the point is just like Arya's separation from the Hound and Arya's, you know, mistrust of anyone. It's like not, not like she's going to just run off with Brienne, you know, like that. It's just I just thought that was like very effective um, and a okay. wise, a wise choice to deviate. So and... thing that I liked the least, um, my 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 worst adaptation choice was definitely um, Stir and, you know, the Magnar of the Fens and the other Fens. Yeah. Um, I mean, that he was like just turned into like a cannibal guy. R- well, it's not just that they were cannibals; they were like very cartoonish. 
Yep. Like they I were, ate they your were brother, silly, and I they ate were like, your mother. They were and like I ate so father too. over the top. <laughs> like these are the evil cannibals who are like monstrous and you know, like, and they're they're bald and they have scars and shit. Like, but they were yeah. they were like so over the top that they weren't even like scary. They were just silly. Yeah. And yeah. and like I really didn't like that cuz like Stir in the book is like a more of like a real person. Like he's still he's still like a little bit scary and you know whatever but like you know he's he's scarier in the book because he doesn't seem like so silly. You know, he seems like legitimately um legitimately frightening whereas in the show it's just like this is this is about the silliest villain that we've ever had on the show. Like it's it's just too much. All right, Ben. So, so well, those, that, those are my best and worst. Okay, so Ben, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree with the thing with, the, with, with Ben's that it's another example of them being way too over the top and trying to be shocking. But that's not my point. Anyway, I actually, actually, now that you mentioned it, Sam, I think. I, my most favorite, I, I would say, I agree that the Brienne and uh, the Brienne and Hound fight was fantastic, really well done. In general, I think the Hound and Arya stuff was really good. My, my, um, my, my least favorite deviation was how they had Stannis entering and coming to the wall. It was so anticlimactic. In the, in the books, he comes in, he comes in during one of the battles, and it's like really crazy. He's like, who is this coming in and saving it? It's Stannis. Like, oh, right, Stannis. But Stannis is still weaker, but he still kind of has this army so he can kill all, all these wildlings and take over. In this, he came when they were camping, when they were at camp. Like, it was, like, very anticlimactic, so I wasn't such a fan of that. But it does have a little bit more strategic sense. How so? Because if they're just sitting around, you know, in camps, they're not, you know, he could just, uh, like, let's just ride over them. I, I agree whole, with Benji. It made, strategically, is, it made more sense. Yeah. But it, dramatically, it didn't. Okay. It's, it's dramatically right. about the show. Think about it. What was great about it in the books is that they were about to lose, even though John was doing well. And, and fighting them off. Maybe that was part of the thing. They wanted to say, show that the Night, Night's Watch had fended off the wildlings. But the whole point is, like, yeah, John was doing well and they were fending them off, but they were about to lose. And then Stannis comes in. And it's one of the cool things that they do in the books that George R. Martin does is that, yeah, like, when people win or something happens, it's kind of weird. It's kind of bittersweet. It's this weird thing. It's not as satisfactory as you want it, but it's like kind of satisfactory. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. Um, All right. Well, let's get into then. Wait, don't. I, I feel like Benji has to provide a different favorite adaptation because uh, he yes, kind of stole right. mine. Get get another one, Benj. What's your favorite? Um, um. <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot. It's man. fine. It's fine. It's fine. God, it's kind of like a toss up. They 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 did it kind of exactly. Kind of a toss up between Joffrey's death and Oberyn's fight. Okay. You know what I mean, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, let's Both get very on well done. to yeah. our favorite moment of the season. Now I have. I have three, and they're all basically the same. Like, they all worked for me. And one of them was when Tyrion demands the trial by combat. Yeah. It was a great yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. The whole there was, speech. There was the another great, a great moment for me, and this was only relevant because I've read the books, was at the end, was at when, um, when Melisandre is, like, looking at Jon through the flame, and they start playing her theme music. I was like, ooh, I kind of got like a chill. I was like, I thought that was well done. Even though people who who only like watch the show are like, I don't get it. How come they're not explicitly explaining it? What's going on here? Where's my Game of Thrones show that explains everything? (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, come on, it's okay for a show to be subtle sometimes. Some <laughs> they don't always have to explain everything. This right. was a good example of like setting up something. So it's like I'm just like I like that choice. I thought that worked. And I also liked uh, Mar- uh, Marjorie the Creep, you know, <laughs> where she snuck into, you know, Tom and oh, yeah. and she's like, oh, well, you know, yes, you would have me, and it would be a whole thing, and, like, she, like, leans like she's going to kiss him, and then does, like, duck, you know, does a little duck thing, and he does it on the forehead, and it's like, toodaloo! It was great, and, like, Tom has the face of, like, exactly as you would expect a 12-year-old boy to have in such a situation. So it really worked well for me. So those are my favorite moments of season four. What do you guys think? Okay, I definitely agree with you on on like Tyrion's trial and his speech. Mm-hmm. You know, where he just like tells everyone off. Um, it was a fantastic moment. I love that. Um, I would say uh, the purple wedding was pretty fantastic. Um, especially, I love that they included the dwarf performers. Yeah, uh, that was a nice yeah. touch because I thought they That's... might. Maybe they were going to drop that, but they absolutely like that was like the highlight of the evening, um, and so so that was pretty great. Um, and then you know watching Joffrey choke to death, I think was uh, yeah, satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great finale for that actor. Yeah, Jack Leeson did a great job. Yeah. And let's see what's what would be my third favorite moments of this well, season if you can't come up with something that's fine i'm just you yeah. know if you just have two, i don't know i mean like there were there were a lot of good moments for sure all right, all right well, um i'm just okay. not sure um you know well, which one i would rank is like we can get back to you if you if you need it. but all right benj what do you think i did i did like uh daenerys you know um mm-hmm. uh sending away jorah mormon yeah oh, okay was, yeah yeah that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was good. good i i um i think we can all agree that the Tyrion trial was was one of the highlights of the season. Really, well done. his speech was so good. I mean, yeah. Peter Peter Dinklage, he always shines, but he especially shined then. Like, yeah. It was so good. You really felt it. Um, I'm so I'm so partial to the uh, to the to the Oberyn, uh, you know, mountain fight scene because that's also in the books. That's one of my favorite scenes completely. And I think they they did they did it justice. You know, obviously, if they could hire more actors and they knew knew more about the mountain, it would have been better, as we were saying. But it was fine. I, I, I liked it a lot. It was different in the books. He didn't really crush his face in the same way. In the, yeah, in, he just in smashed the, it. He just smashed it, but whatever. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> um, he, his face looked like that face at the end when, in Sin City when, they, when, uh, when he kills that, that pedophile guy, you know, with a, with a yellow head. And, like, yes, his, his face right. just smashed on the floor. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah. Wow. I, Two I, I, Sin I, City I, references in one podcast. I know, I know, I know. I know. Yeah, well. <laughs> The sequel's coming out soon, so it's on yeah, all true. of our minds. Way more misogyny. Woo! All um. right, let's get into Benji's favorite segment, the biggest groaner of season four. The one moment where you looked at the screen and you said, oh, come on. Or you, or maybe you just had like a, ugh. <laughs> so, Benji, what do you think? What was your biggest groaner of season four? <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple. Um, I think you sort of mentioned it before. I think... The line when Jamie says before he like I guess half slash fully rapes Cersei kind of maybe he says uh, he, he when he says like why did the gods make me love a, a, a hateful woman or whatever it's like what where are you, where are you coming from and then go uh and then um and then uh, there was something with, with Littlefinger I, I I think also just the whole thing of Jeremy you talked about this in one of your reviews but how like how like all of a sudden. Like little finger is like really being sloppy, and he's and he's kind of like out of control, and like Sansa 
like it's not weird for Sansa to sort of help him out because part of Sansa's character development is that she becomes you know more no, sly. That, that part made it, more sense. It was that it, he didn't have a good excuse. Right. That it was that he sense. didn't have an excuse that I was burning yeah. about. It was cool with Sansa though. But. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Sam. What do you think? Um, I think speaking of Littlefinger and Sansa, that that one moment where Sansa like appears at the top of the stairs and she's wearing that like ridiculous dress, mm-hmm. that was a groaner moment for me. You know the one I'm talking about? It's I like do. all black and with I, like uh, the dragon wing shoulders and right, like, of course, yes. you know, I know she, exactly what she you looks mean. like a, a Disney villain right. basically. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, Sam, yes, Sam, Maleficent I, uh, actually very I, much. I 100% disagree with you. I thought that moment was awesome. I thought okay. it, I thought it, I thought it worked really well for what, which was the Sansa trying to look evil. She was trying to do, pull off like there. Remember, she's supposed to be not looking exactly like her. So this is her, Sansa doing. This is the opposite of me. Look, it's mm. her trying to vamp it up. You know, it, it's not even like it's it's exactly what she thinks she's not supposed to do. I guess. I thought it was pretty silly looking. That's but fair enough. Maybe that was, and I was, I was indifferent to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> so you didn't care for Evil Sansa. No. And for me, my biggest groan was the six-hour Beetle monologue. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smash, smash, and then he's like, so then it's like, and I looked at my watch and it was like, hmm, this episode is a little bit longer than I. Thought <laughs> we've just gotten into hour three of the Beatle monologue. <laughs> when, when Tyrion just starts, loved count- to crush those beetles. One beetle, two yes. beetles. He just literally counted up to seven hundred beetles <laughs> for an entire hour. It's, it's as if it's as if like uh, like what's it called? That that's like a like a training exercise for like actors in acting school. Make this monologue interesting, you know. <laughs> He didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> he tried, but he did not work for me. Yeah. So that was uh, that was my least favorite thingy because it was like a ugh. All right. I think next we'll, we'll do a little uh, little chat on our favorite character arc, and uh, I feel like there's a lot of choices because you know you could talk about Jamie, Theon, girl Theon, uh, Cersei, Bran, Tyrion, Tywin, Brienne, John, Daenerys, Sansa. You know, Marjorie, Arya, Davos, Stannis, John, yeah. etc. Now, of course, by girl Theon, I mean his sister. Right. Whose I, name I assume is irrelevant. Orsha or Shmorsha. Ashmarsha. Shmorsha. I think it's Ashmarsha. Yarshima. Well, no, she has a name. Yarga. Just, no one can really re- agree on what it is. Yarsha. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, Sam, what do you think? They who, took our jobs. Who do you think had the best character arc in the season? Who do I have the uh, the best character arc? And you can um, pick someone who died. Obviously, that that still works as a character arc. Okay. Um, I I mean, Jamie is an obvious choice, but I, a Jamie's a character arc really is continuing from last season. Right. Um, but uh, I guess. I'm trying to think of like a character who really like grew, you know, and really became something more than what they were before. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's Tyrion, mm-hmm. because Tyrion, like this whole season, has sort of been forced to face his own sort of like helplessness 
um, you know, he's always been able to talk his way out of everything in the past. And, like, he he's finally, like, reached the point where, like, he can't do it anymore. You know, there is no talking your way out of this. Like, this is it. You know, and he finally went ahead and did something. And it's interesting because in the books, he's, a, as, as Benji was saying before, he's a bit more ruthless. Um, he's a bit more willing to do things that are, like, morally ambiguous or, or even, like, probably objectionable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he thinks whatever, it's for the greater good, so he justifies it. In the show, he doesn't. So, like, in, in the show, him actually finally killing his father is even more shocking than it was, I think, in the books. Because yeah. because that we just we would never ever expect him to do such a thing, um, and the fact that he finally like he got himself in a situation he can't talk his way out of he finally did something that he's never going to be able to undo, um, you know I think that's that's really uh, that that's like the the strongest character arc for me. Okay, okay. Um, and Benji, I I, I, uh, I I'm gonna say Arya. I, I like that, that. I think I think I think both Sans and Arya, and, and also in the books, these are good points for them in terms of their character development. I thought that was pretty strong. I think they really did a good job with Arya and the Hound and showing her learning all these lessons. It's actually Jeremy because of your reviews. I sort of sort of hi- highlight that a little bit for me about how they how there is this character arc. You know how like how like they were kind of like playing off each other, but how Arya was learning these like important lessons from the Hound. You know what I mean? Yes. So I thought that was good. I agree. And I got I, I got one of those chills too, just because also I really like it in the books when she like goes to the ship and she's yeah. like Val, Val, and like she doesn't know what Valamorbellus means or anything like that, and he responds and the only time you hear like Valo del Hyrus, and you're like, yeah. oh. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. Great. I agree with that. If if neither one of you had said Arya, I would have said that. But now what I will say is Sansa, mm-hmm. who I think is who I think has a really pretty good arc myself, considering I don't know if you guys remember, but she started and she was still in King's Landing and, you know, married to Tyrion. Right. So, you know, I'm right. just saying, she went through an interesting collection of uh, storylines. I think, I think hers is interesting. And I did, and unlike Sam, I liked how it ended up with her. I thought it was it, like a good progression on her, you know, movement towards her actualization as the next queen of something. I don't know not about Westeros, but probably like the North. That's what I'm thinking. That's my that's my prediction. Okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, let's just do some stuff that Benji wanted to bring up. You said you had some stuff about your best writing and the worst writing, yeah. and the best and worst exchanges. Okay, so I don't remember exchanges, and I have to go in a minute, so I can't really uh, go into that, but the, the big thing I noticed is I actually thought I noticed, even though I like David Benioff and Dan Weiss, I th- it seems like they wrote more episodes this season, and I did notice kind of a lesser quality, in my opinion, to the dialogue, like a l- like more less subtlety and more bluntness to the dialogue um, with uh, with the episodes that they wrote. Um, mm-hmm. I, I noticed I noticed actually it pretty like pretty distinctively, um, and you know it's it's it, you know I, I'm not writing an HBO show. I'm sure it's difficult to do. I'm sure there's you know there like by, by no means is is the writing bad. But I just noticed that there was a little more bluntness to to what how they were writing. It was just a very straightforward stuff. There wasn't as much cleverness and subtlety. So I sort of I sort of noticed that, and I think that that was one thing that I didn't like as much in, in the in the season. Once again, nothing nothing really bad about the way they wrote it worked. It's just I, I noticed a little bit of a change. So okay, well, is there any yeah. like best writing? Um, I mean George R. R. Martin, and whenever he writes an episode, it's always better. <laughs> you know, well, the second episode where, where he wrote yeah, this, that yeah. was his. Yeah, the line, yeah. you know, the line in the rose was his, and yeah. 
In general, I thought that was pretty good. All right, so guys, let's just do a really quick, I want to give you, you know, like 30 seconds or so, what do you think is going to happen next season that's really going to piss you off and what's going to make you happy? All right, and here, so I'll go first. Here's what I think. I think that they're going to do something really good with Ariane. Like, they'll cast someone who's, like, attractive, but also good at it. You know, in Doran. I think that they're going to do the Doran stuff pretty well. That's my mm-hmm. feeling. And I think they will not do the Greyjoy stuff for Oh, uh, with, with Ariane, you're saying? Yeah. And I feel like the, the Greyjoy stuff is not going to be done very well. I just have a feeling. Mm. And yeah, yeah. I, I just don't... I, I don't know. It just seems like they've never been as good at those characters anyway. They finally started getting somewhere interesting with Theon. But even so, I mean, all this stuff with Yardusha showing up. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for that. All right. Benjo? Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to Lady Stoneheart. I am mm-hmm. um, I am not looking forward to how they're going to spoil the other books. Because I think it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's fair. All right. All right. Okay. And, and Samzio? Um... So I'm looking forward to the continuing storyline in King's Landing with Cersei. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, like, basically her trying to, like, hold the kingdom together and, and hold the Lannister Empire together and, you know, all the all the crazy stuff that she ends up doing. I think that's going to be fun. Um, and I am not looking forward to, um, I guess, I don't, I'm not really looking forward to, like, the whole, like, Melisander and John at the wall kind of thing. I don't know, and that 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 whole aspect of the story didn't have really appeal to me very much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some very differing opinions. Yeah. And that's how we know it's a podcast. All right. So this is pretty good. We did it in just about under an hour. So, nerd you later, guys. Nerd you later. Nerd you later. Bye.